In John's Gospel, the feeding of the 5,000 leads to extended teaching in which Jesus identifies himself as the true bread of life. Finally, in these verses, he makes a connection that would not be understood until after his death in light of the church's celebration of Holy Communion. Today's Gospel comes from John, the sixth chapter, beginning with the 51st verse. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. So as you've probably noticed, John's Bread of Life discourse goes on for quite a while. Welcome to week four of five. Last week we talked about bread and specifically daily bread for which we pray daily. Recall Luther's words from the small catechism. Daily bread is everything included in the necessities and nourishment for our bodies, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, farm, fields, livestock, money, property, an upright spouse, upright children, upright members of the household, upright and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, decency, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. Also, he says, God gives daily bread without our prayer, even to all evil people. But we ask in this prayer that God cause us to recognize what our daily bread is and to receive it with thanksgiving. And of course, because we are talking about Jesus being the bread of life, Amy Jill Levine, professor of New Testament and Jewish studies at Vanderbilt University Divinity School, has written, Daily bread cannot be separated from the word of God as encountered in the scripture. The Gospel of John makes it visceral when it connects the incarnate logos, the word, with bread. Jesus states, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. All right, so now what do we do with all of this? What do we do with Jesus's response to the Jewish hierarchy who talk amongst themselves, confused by his words, instead of going and asking Jesus for clarification, for a deeper understanding. Because, of course, 
when someone says something you don't understand, it's always a good idea to talk about it amongst yourselves instead of with the person who has confused or upset you. So once again, the Jewish authorities are confused by Jesus's words and they get their knickers in a knot and Jesus once again challenges them to think outside their boxes, to think about something other than what they have always known to be true. And at this point, I think it's important to remind all of us that Jesus' conflicts with the established Judaism of his day were not about Jesus coming in and saying, you're wrong, you're doing this wrong, I know better, I am here to fix you. No, Jesus was a devout Jew. He was a practicing Jew, and this is well established throughout the Gospels. Jesus, a devout Jew, pushed the limits, expanded the boundaries of theology and religious practice. You have heard it said, but I say to you, not just this, but also this other thing too. Deep love for God and God's people compelled him. That same love, the love of Christ compels us, is irresistible and we aim to do God's will on earth as in heaven. A few weeks ago, I talked about Matthew, Mark, and Luke being called the synoptic gospels because they see together. And that John is kind of off on his own a lot of times. He has a different point he's making most of the time. And here in today's reading, in this whole Bread of Life discourse, we have a prime example of the differences between the synoptics and John the fourth gospel. In the synoptics, the central event of the Last Supper is Jesus instituting the Eucharist, Holy Communion. Kind of like a one and done, but of course not really. But in John, the central event of that meal is the foot washing. And there's no specific institution of the Eucharistic meal at the Last Supper. That's because for John, Jesus's whole life, not one particular event, institutes, instituted the Holy Meal. The Eucharistic meal is therefore not a thing we do. It is a way of living, of living into Jesus's death, of living into relationship with Jesus and the promise of new life. This is mind blowing. And while we as Christians in the early ish 21st century have the benefit of nearly 2000 years of interpretation, teaching tradition and so on to take this in. Oh, mind blowing you say, revolutionary, yes. Sure, yes, I see that. What next? For the people hearing Jesus saying this in the early-ish, near mid-first century, for those first hearers of this gospel at the end of the first century, this really was mind-blowing and revolutionary. This is the gospel liberating the hearer to step outside of themselves, liberating us to step outside of ourselves, and to reach out to those around us who are oppressed, downtrodden, poor, lonely, hungry, suffering. 
Jesus, the living host, is not our mascot, but our example for living. Jesus holds up a mirror to us, to our hearts. And if we don't see Jesus, don't see God's love reflected back at us, we need to change. We need to live anew in the living God who has become human incarnate, lived as one of us, doing only that which is also expected of us and offered up their life to us unworthy people, their flesh to chew, bones to crunch, and blood to drink. Jesus offering up himself, Jesus offering himself up as, identifying himself as the bread of life is our liberation. When we hear and believe he is the I am, when we taste and see the goodness of God, we are free to step outside ourselves, to look the bo beyond the boxes in which we've placed God, and to fully share in the meal with one another, to share with all of creation the life-giving, liberating love of the divine. And that really is kind of scary to think about because it threatens our comfort, what we know, what is comfortable for us. But the gospel is uncomfortable and threatening because if we only see Jesus as a nice guy who did nice things for others, we have missed the point entirely. The true food, the true drink of Jesus is the word of God. The word of God comforts us in our suffering, yes. But the word of God also calls us out for the suffering we inflict on others and then calls us into community together to ease the suffering of all by living like Jesus, the host of our royal meal, the good shepherd who makes us to lie down in green pastures, the living bread from heaven. Amen.